0: Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're gonna look at a very familiar passage uh, and one that doesn't take a lot of explanation. It just takes absorbing and meditation uh, more than anything else. Uh, And as I said, in a few minutes, you're gonna turn in that little slip of paper. And when you do, what you're really putting on that is where you fit in Tabor. Now, in our particular church, we have these things called ministry teams. There's all kinds of ways to organize and order a church. Many of you have been involved in other churches that do it other ways. And I'm not saying that our way is better than other ways, but our way does seem to work well for us. There's some diversity, some opportunity uh, expressed in our ministry teams. And so basically what it is, is one of the places in which you fit. You have relationships with people And that's really the fitting that we're talking about. But the contribution of you to the body of Christ happens in a specific way. And that's what we mean by where you fit. But before you can think about where you fit, you're also thinking about how you fit. And I mean by that, what is it that you particularly, you individually and uniquely bring to the body? So we sometimes talk about spiritual gifts, though it's my conviction that we often think way too narrowly about that. There may be 30,000 spiritual gifts that don't have names and mixes of gifts that nobody has ever put a name on because that's not really the point. The point is you as an individual have been uniquely equipped by virtue of your innate abilities or experiences or education or passion or whatever it is. You've been uniquely equipped to contribute to the lives of other believers and to this world in some specific way, maybe more than one specific way. So if you're going to know where you're going to fit in Tabor, you're first asking yourself how you fit at all, right, which presupposes you have already answered the question, do I fit at all? Do I fit in the body of Christ, big B, the church, big C, but also do I fit in This particular body that we call Tabor, do you fit here? And I think this passage helps us think about that and begin to answer those questions so that when we actually put a check mark in a box, we're doing so with some of those convictions, being convinced of some things about God and about ourselves. And this passage really helps us to think about that. So that's what we're looking at. Now, we're going to particularly focus on verses 12 through 31. of of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, that's where we are. And it begins with a general statement of unity in diversity. Read with me verses 12 through 14. The body is a unit. Though it's made up of many parts and though all its parts are many, they form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, We were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And everybody in this room immediately knows what the general statement is because you are reading the words many times. Many, 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 one, one, one. Many, one, many parts. One, one, many, one, many, one. Diversity in unity. That's the general theme of this. There is diversity. There is differences among us. But there is an overall unity that combines all the different parts together into one unity, functional whole, diversity in unity. Now, <clears throat> this is something that every culture and every nation tries for, but usually there's an emphasis on one versus another. So, for instance, in Chinese culture, there's an emphasis on unity, and they, they don't, really want that much diversity. They don't want people to think too differently. They want to stay together. So unity kind of devolves into uniformity, which requires conformity, which means there isn't much diversity, or at least they don't want there to be, right? Because they kind of emphasize unity over diversity in in Chinese culture. I rather think that in American culture where On the opposite end of that spectrum, that's just my opinion, we really prize diversity. We don't always live it, but we say we do. And we prize diversity. And to the extent that we acknowledge that and that we are a melting pot and all of those things, unity tends to be a real challenge. And in an election year, that's kind of just thrown in our face, isn't it? We may value diversity over unity. On our coins, it says, E Pluribus Unum. From many, one, that's our goal. Every culture strives for it. No culture really hits it. But here's the culture of Christ. Ready? There can actually be a healthy, wholesome balance of unity and diversity. And here's why. Because of the head. Because of the spirit who enables and activates The one head and the one spirit creates unity in diversity and what, listen, what the entire world in all of human history has striven for and been completely out of balance in regard to, most of the time, Jesus creates. Isn't that great? That's what the church is, unity in diversity, and that's the point that he's making here. Now... From here, Paul addresses two perspectives in regard to spiritual giftedness, each of which represents a misunderstanding or a misapprehension of the nature and use of gifts. Remember, chapters 12, 13, and 14 are really talking about the gifted people in the church. their are gifts. But also the people who have them and how they're functioning together and the unity that they should experience. That's what these whole chapters are about. But there can be problems. And though the church at Corinth was very gifted, they had a lot of different gifts. The truth is there was a lot of friction, right, and division in the church. So they were struggling. And Paul is saying one reason you can struggle is because there could be, on the one hand, some sense of inferiority, some people looking out and saying, I don't have that gift, I don't have that gift, so therefore I do not belong. And that's what he starts talking about in verse 15. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Now, Paul's making a simple argument from logic and from theology, to make the point that you can't say, I don't belong. Notice that that's twice in this passage. I don't belong. Here's somebody who is looking from the standpoint of his own gifts, he's looking out at others and seeing others with perhaps more prominent gifts, more flashy gifts, more gifts, whatever it might be, and saying, I see how they fit in the body, I just don't see how I fit in the body. I don't belong. He's addressing a sense of marginalization or insignificance due to your particular spiritual gift or lack of it. Because the diversity of gifts could lead one to believe that because his gift is different, perhaps less visible, perhaps less significant, that therefore I don't really have a place here in the body. And Paul's simply making the point from logic, first of all, we understand that from the physical beings that we are that that's not true, that there are different gifts, different places, different functions, and they all fit. The hand might be a little bit more prominent than the feet, right? But, and a lot more dexterity, and most people don't have keyboarding skills with their feet, all of that, but still your feet fit in your body, right? That's the point he's making. And you can get along without some gifts, but they really are useful. He uses the illustration of the eyes versus the ears. It's interesting, this last year in coaching junior high girls basketball, we had a ref a couple different times who was deaf. Alexis, remember that. He's deaf. I don't mean hearing impaired. I mean deaf. Very interesting. Very interesting. Because whistles are kind of important in games, right? And sometimes, when you're a coach, you want to yell time out. Okay, it doesn't do any good to yell time out at him. And so he told us before the game in the best way he could, but he got a point across. You got to run out on the court and get in front of me. So we're doing that now. The truth is, if you've got eyes, you can ref. That's what we accuse refs of. What do you point? Right? <laughs> if you have eyes, you can ref. That's kind of important, but ears come in handy, right? And so even logic tells you that everybody with different gifts and abilities fits, all of us fit. In the body. That's the argument from logic, but the one from theology is clear. But in fact, verse 18 God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. When you say, I don't fit, you are unintentionally accusing God of making a mistake, of not watching His resources well, of not being a good steward of those who He saved at the cost of His Son's blood. You're accusing Him of misplacing you or failing to gift you. None of us think of it that way, I trust. But Paul's trying to say, God knows what he's doing here. Of course you fit. Of course you fit. Because God fits you. You might say, I don't know where I fit. I know, and I get that. And so that's something that we can Gather together, perhaps, and help you see, but I think that if you will just think and trust God, you will begin to see the ways in which you fit. I just don't want anybody here to say, I don't fit. I don't belong. That was a problem in Corinth. But there's an opposite problem. Now, here's the person who has the prominent gift. Here's a person whose gifts put them on the platform, literally or figuratively, and they can begin to say, well, you know, some gifts, uh, I, there's, you know, that person over there, bless her heart. That's how, we, that's how we, you know, insult people as a Christian. You just say their name and then add bless her heart. It's not what the word bless means, but that's what we're actually doing, right? And, you know, they try and... We'll put them on this team because, you know, there'll be somebody to hang out with them while they're doing nothing that matters. Again, we don't ever say those things, but it's possible for somebody to have the opposite view, like, I see how I fit, and I'm, I think the church is glad that I'm here, but I don't really, that other person probably doesn't matter so much. Now, remember that pride was a problem in Corinth, Right? There's a lot of people that really thought quite well of themselves. We we see that in the rest of the book. And the truth is, none of us are immune from thinking that our place matters more. If I didn't do what I did, this place would fold in three weeks. Right? So what does Paul say to these people? The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. If there was ever a part that could say to another part, I don't need you, it would be the head, right? No, can't say, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part is honored with it. So there could be this sense of superiority, I don't need you, pride, condescension. Maybe because one person's gift seems better or more important than another. And so Paul's responses, again, are too from logic. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker, less honorable, or less presentable deserve special treatment rather than disdain. I made the contrast between a hand and a, and a foot, and most of us, if we had to choose, we'd rather try to live without a foot than without a hand because of the things that our hands do. But you also notice that hands generally look better. People don't take near as much pains to cover their hands as they do their feet. I've heard I have ugly feet. Whatever. It's probably true for most of of us. Our feet might not be our best quality. But isn't it interesting that if I ask you how many pairs of gloves you own versus how many pairs of shoes and socks you own, you actually pay more attention to your feet. You actually take better care of your feet than your hands. James and I were talking about wearing gloves doing mechanic work. He does. Although today you can't tell. Look at his hands. They're all marked up. But anyway, I always look at that. I envy him. But the truth is our feet get a lot of care. We even have uh, stores dedicated to shoes, That's the point that he's making. Even a part of the body that seems less presentable, less good-looking, less prominent, it doesn't mean we don't need it, right? It doesn't mean we don't take care. No, we actually take pains to take care of those parts of our body because they're actually very valuable to us. That's the point he's making from logic. And if logic isn't clear to you, then again, what has God actually done? God has combined the members of the body and he has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. Human beings may not give more honor to the parts that lack it, but God does, right? Who's irreplaceable in this church? Let me ask the question another way. Who does God think is is irreplaceable? Oh, that might be a little different. That's the point he's making here. God, once again, succeeds in what he's doing. And so here's the summary statement now in verses 27 through 31. And the summary statement in 27 through 31 leads to the rest of this section. Chapter 13, but then also chapter 14. I'm saying that as you think ahead. What he's saying in chapter 12 is a piece of a bigger puzzle. Chapters 13 and 14 fit also, and this summary of chapter 12 here in the last verses really point to what's coming. So he says this, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So the answer to the question is, do I fit in the body of Christ? God's answer is yes. If you are a follower of Jesus, you belong in the body, right? Each one of you is part of it. And in the church, verse 28... God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Rhetorical question, are all apostles? Obvious answer, no are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. He's p- making the point not all of us do e- none of us do everything. All of us have a place. That's the summary part. And then he says, "But eagerly desire the greater gifts. And now I will show you the most excellent way." which leads into chapter 13, the chapter that you're very familiar with. But now let's look at the summary. First of all, he's making the point, you're the body of Christ, each one of you is part of it. Whatever else is yet to be said in regard to spiritual gifts, it will not contradict this basic reality. Every believer has been grafted into the body of Christ, and each has been given a contributing ministry to that body. Yes, you fit. Yes, your place matters. Yes, you do something that others benefit from. The answer is yes. Well, I don't feel like, I get that. We have a heart for those who don't feel like they fit. I want to address that kindly and compassionately and with knowledge and prayer followed up by action. But the reality is you do fit. You do. That's the point he's making. The Spirit has not only enabled us, the Spirit is activating all of us somehow in some way. So your gift, whatever it is, is for the health and growth of the body for the benefit of your brothers and sisters in Christ. And point two, there actually is a hierarchy of gifts. Now, this seems to contradict everything he's just said. When he said there's first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then that looks like a list with an intentional number one and number two and number three because that's exactly what's happening. And so if there's a hierarchy of gifts, doesn't that sort of, undo everything he's trying to be, say here in this passage. But, of course, realize that in a physical body, there are some things we call vital organs, and, and then there are parts we can live without. It doesn't mean it's good to live without it. If you, you, can, you can't live without a heart. Right, Tom? Can't live without a heart. He's had a transplant. You can live without a foot or a hand, but we call that disabled or differently abled. Used to call it handicapped. None, nobody wants that. Nobody thinks that's good. Right? Even if there is a hierarchy, it doesn't mean that some people are dispensable or unimportant or unincluded, obviously. But then what, what are we to make of this hierarchy here? That hierarchy, by the way, will be sort of a key point in chapter 14. And before we get there, we understand chapter 13, but, but let's see if we can make sense of the hierarchy. First of all, this hierarchy has to do with the gifts and not the people to whom the gift is given. Now think about this with me. The gifts may have relative importance. Some gifts might be more important than others. So let me give you an illustration. I think I could make the point from Scripture... That the preaching and teaching of the Word of God is more vital, in the sense of vital organ, vital to the health, to the existence even of the body of Christ, than cleaning the building. Catherine's here, she cleans the building. Jeff's here, he cleans the building. I think I could make the point the church could exist with a dirty building, better or longer than it could exist without the preaching and teaching of the word of God. Right? But let me tell you what's also true. That doesn't make Jim more important than Catherine or Jeff. You see what I'm saying? The gift might be more necessary. There may be a hierarchy of gifts. There's not a hierarchy of people. Somebody asked the other day, guys, I use the illustration about where I park. You know, I park out in the gravel. For me, it's just a stupid little thing, I realize. For me, it's just a reminder. I'm not better than anybody else. I'm not more necessary. I don't get a parking place closer than you just because I come earlier. Anyway, the point is, people, even if there's a relative importance in gifts, that's not true about the people who possess them. We are equal in that regard. We are together, brothers and sisters of Christ. Number two, regardless of a person's gift, every person belongs to the body. As I said, you can live without a leg better than you can live without a heart, but both parts belong. And more important than any gift is the motivation and spirit with which it's used. And that's why love is a better way. Desire the best gifts, Paul said, but I'm going to show you something even greater than that, something more important, something more crucial and fundamental than, than how you would assess gifts and their hierarchy within the body of Christ. And that is love. Because the truth of the matter is, it is better to clean a toilet with love than to preach a sermon without it. Can I say that again? It's better to use your gift, cleaning a building, with love for God and the people you're cleaning up after, than to preach a sermon for any lesser motive than that, without love. And that's why chapter 13 is stuck smack dab in the middle of this section and gets all the words that it gets love because that's important to see so let's return to the questions with which we began looking into this passage number one do you fit in the body of Christ and the corollary of that which is is that connecting point Tabor and so I think we've established from scripture that if you belong to Christ you belong to his body to be in Christ is to be in the church And here in independent America, where we relish the declaration of independence and have carried that spirit into every other aspect of life, which makes community, to say nothing of unity, difficult. There are people who want to believe that they have a perfectly healthy, good relationship with God, in full communion with God, and they have absolutely no connection to the body of Christ. There's no meaningful relationships, no contribution to the spiritual life and growth and well-being of others in the body. They want to believe that's possible because here in America... We are a do-it-yourself nation, and so we can have a do-it-yourself Christianity. And let me just tell you, that's about like watching a hand only crawling up the sidewalk downtown. A piece of a body not connected to it. You know what you call that? A horror movie. That's what you call that. And that's what it is when somebody says, I am a Christian, but I don't really really need those people. I actually had a woman say it to me. I don't need those people. I beg to differ. No, Jesus begs to differ, right? You do fit in the body of Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus, if the Holy Spirit lives in you, if you've been made part of the family of God, then you fit in the body of Christ. Then the question might be, but is it Tabor? Because I can tell you there's other expressions of the body of Christ all over this place. I pray for them. You've been to some of them. Praise God for every single one of them. How do you know it's Tabor? That's a good question. And when people come saying, I'd like to be a member of Tabor, I'd say, I'd like to know why you think you should be a member. We're happy to have you, but why do you think this is the place for you, especially since you've, you know, if you come to church here, you've passed four or five churches on your way here, right? So, I mean, why did you, why do you think this one? And, and I can't answer that for you specifically, but I can, I can point to a general answer. And I would just ask you a question to help get to that answer. And that is, what do you think you're doing here? Well, I, what are you here for? I mean, you did actually pass other churches to get here. So what's that about? Let me just say, ask it this way, is that just a matter of coincidence? I mean, did you really just flip through a phone book? Oh, well, there's not phone books anymore. Anyway, and just put your finger on a church and just decide to go there? Or Now, I'm not asking you what you like about Tabor. Well, I come here because I like it. I'm not asking that. Is there divine... Intervention involved in the fact that you are sitting here this morning. Is it possible that God brought you here? Has this church been, or people in this church, been the body of Christ to you? Have they been a brother and sister in Christ to you in some way? Have you sensed that your spirit has been fed within this assembly that you've been encouraged and challenged, that you feel like there's other people who get what you get, who face what you face, and who are willing to face it with you. If that's true, all that's good evidence that this is where God is putting you. And if you've answered the question, yes, I'm in the body of Christ, and yes, Tabor's the place, then it's simply a matter of saying, how do I fit? And that's where we began. How do you fit in this body of Christ here at Tabor? I'm asking you how God has uniquely wired and equipped you to contribute to the lives of others in ways that promote their health, spiritual health, and faith, and effectiveness. You don't have to make this any more mysterious than it is. Let me just ask you this. What are you good at? What do you love doing? What's fun for you? I mean by that, what's the funnest way to be useful for you? When you think of being useful, when you think of contributing to others, doing something that benefits others, what's the funnest way for you to do that? That's a real good indication of how you, where you fit in the body of Christ. Now, when I said don't make this mysterious, don't worry about if you have a name for that. Don't worry about that. Call it whatever you want. If it requires a whole paragraph to describe, fine, whatever. Whatever that is, how are you wired? How has God made you? And more than likely, when you think of answers to questions like that, you will get a hint that one or more of the ministry teams on that little piece of paper are in the direction of what you love to do to be useful now, if you are unsure of what team to check, here's what you can do. It'll be an administrative nightmare, but if it's good for you, do it. Just check all the ones you're interested in. I hope it's not eight or ten, but what I'm saying is if you check that, somebody's going to get with you eventually and have a conversation with you about it. I mean, at least that's our goal. The, the heads, the, the leaders of these teams will be in contact with those who check it. You're you're going to be included in that group. And you might in that way discover whether or not that is the team you should be in. And don't worry about it. if you check a team and then find out that's not really, that's not really my thing. Maybe you'd come to that conclusion a year from now. That's all right. Because what we're doing here this morning, we'll do again. Right? So it's okay. But look at that thing. We're going to pray together and I'm going to ask you to just look those That list over again, that little piece of paper you've got, and say, if God's put me here, what's my thing? Where where do I fit best? What's my best guess at where I fit? And check those off, okay? Ask Him to lead you in that. Then we'll collect those together and go from there. Let's just spend a few minutes praying together. Can we do that? I'm going to ask you to pray silently and ask the Lord to give you wisdom about this, give you clarity about this. If you don't hear a voice speaking to you, don't worry about it. But let's just ask him to lead us. Would you do that silently in your seat? Now I'm just going to invite anybody in this room that feels led to pray and ask God to give direction and wisdom to us or to thank God for his grace and kindness in fitting you in the body or for giving you fulfillment in using your particular gift and ability, your your participation in a ministry team, whatever it be. If you'd like to just express that out loud, to God as an encouragement to your brothers and sisters I'm going to invite you to do that now and I'll close us in just a minute Lord, as I reflect upon my own journey of inclusion in the body of Christ, I realize that you, as a, over a long period of time, you began to clarify for me where I fit, what I do, what I don't do, where I'm useful and where I'm not useful, and even now to this very day, you have continued to morph my place and the form of my contribution of the body so that I rather think that's going to be true to the day I meet you face to face. So, Lord, I pray that each one of us in wherever we are in our walk with you, in our sense of clarity about where we fit, I pray that we would sense your goodness and grace in including us. Even if we don't get it all, even if that's changing in some way, I pray that we would just bow before you in humble gratitude for being included, for being equipped to contribute somehow, for being activated in an actual group of people. Thank you for that. Lord, for anyone here that really feels himself or herself to be on the outside, they really do think, I don't belong. I have no idea how I could possibly belong. Lord Jesus, would you just by your kindness gather them in? Gather them in, whatever that means. Gather them to yourself. Lord, may you use our hands and arms to gather them in also. Lord, I pray that each one of us in the place you've put us would realize that we are not more important than another. Uh, Our gift may be different from others and in some sense might even be more vital than other gifts, but each one of us is on a level plane bowing before you. May we love and value our brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you, Lord, for each one gathered, for every part put in the body. Thank you, Lord, for each one. Now direct us as we put little marks on a page. Holy Spirit, make clear to us the right thing to do for each one of us, the best option that we see at this moment, and then direct us from there, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, if you haven't already filled that out, go ahead and do that. Put your checks on it. And then we're going to collect them here. So we want you to just pass them to an aisle. Whenever you're ready, pass them to an aisle. May fold them once. Be a little easier to handle. Fold them once. Pass them to the aisle. And then um, some guys, some young men, some young men will uh, collect them. And I know what some of you are saying. You're saying, I am not turning this in yet because I have to think about it a little more. <laughs> believe, believe me. I just want to hug you. I'm not even a hugger because I get that. Slow processors. So it's, it's fine. Don't overthink it. Okay? So try, if you can, to turn it in today. But if you need to turn it in later, that's fine. And just see that Haley gets it. Or, you know, you can give it to me or Brad or Zach two but as long as it ends up in Haley's hands there will it'll be safe. All right. Okay. We're collecting them now. Gonna pass them to the aisle. Any others we need to get? Just raise them up if you need the guys to come get them from you. Anybody? All right. Anybody else? Okay. Well, let's do this. Let's stand together. And I'm going to uh, dismiss us in prayer, but uh, let's make sure we shake hands with the people around us, greet them, say hi. Heavenly Father, we are again grateful for your grace and kindness to us. Thank you for Jesus, whose blood, whose death and resurrection opened the door into our relationship with you, which bought our place in the body. Thank you for the Lord Jesus. Fill our hearts with that gratitude now, we pray. Take us from here, Lord, to represent you well in this world, a world full of people who don't feel like they fit, who feel like they're not needed, including some people who feel like others aren't needed. Lord, we live in that world. Help us to demonstrate the culture of Christ Where both unity and diversity are not only valued, but able to work. May we be a door in for people who feel disenfranchised and excluded. May we be representatives of you in that way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.